The world is in a climate crisis and all industries must do their part to reach zero emissions. Maritime trade is critical to today's society, but is also responsible for 2.8% of all greenhouse gases. A future where global trade reaches zero is possible, but how do we actually get there? I'm Laura Jacobson, Zero North's Chief Purpose Activist and an expert in sustainable shipping. In Navigating Zero, I'm sitting down with thought leaders to explore the inner workings of global trade, its massive impact on our society, and the obstacles it faces in navigating its way to zero. Today, we narrow in on technology and solutions which can help the industry with its green transition. As in many industries, technology has helped to completely transform the way business is done. Shipping will be no different. However, due to its complexity, change has been slower than in other industries. This complexity can stand in the way of progress and technological solutions being created and adopted. In this episode, I'm sitting down with Soren Meyer, CEO of Zero North and my good colleague. I will get his take on how technology is shaping the future of the green transition and why he thinks change is accelerating. As Zero North is a growth company in an ever-changing dynamic industry, the number of vessels using the platform is constantly rising. Since this episode was recorded, this number has risen to 4,500. We started Zero North three and a half years ago now with the notion of saying, hey, how do we empower those that actually take the decisions on where the vessels are going and what speed? And that has really evolved into much more than we ever, at least I ever dreamt that it could be. The vision of creating this one platform where people can communicate and optimize across the value chain together, they, they really embedded that. And that has driven our ambition to keep on investing into the space is, is from the customer's positive feedback. I think a company like Zero North is important because it's also pushing other players around us to innovate faster and to ensure that they invest as well. So that's probably what makes me most proud is when I see other companies trying to do or doing a little bit different, of course, sometimes even better than we are, because I, I do feel that we are pushing the industry. So when we started Zero North and you look through the media, there was very limited discussions around voice optimization. It was actually not a word that was being used in the industry. Now it's very commonly, right? Is that only Zero North that has been driving that change? I, I don't think we should be that bold to claim that. But I do think we push the boundaries and, and that we push the agenda very, very hard. And, and that makes me proud. I think when we're looking at the industry in general right now, it's in a great transformation. The green transformation of shipping is is so vast. So how do you actually break it down into actions that can be delivered? We've talked a little bit about voyage optimization, and that's through software technology as one of the drivers. Maybe you can talk a little bit about how technology is shaping the future of maritime industry. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of momentum in the industry. And when people look at shipping, they understand the complexity. And the complexity comes across the value chain of many different uh, stakeholders. And then simple things like what is actually the consumption of fuel on a vessel when it's sailing at sea? I think when we sit here at shore, we have all the technology around us. We take it for granted that we have Wi-Fi and internet connectivity. I think we're forgetting how vast and big the oceans are and thereby also forgetting that some of these technologies are not something you just embed. 
one of the biggest roadblocks we have met is internet connectivity of vessels. Like it's not given that there's internet connectivity on a vessel globally, right? Because you have to connect to satellites and it's very expensive. From a pure technology point of view, that's moving very fast now, right? Because now you're getting satellites up and that means that you can be connected at seas at any given point. So the hurdles that we are facing in the industry are actually hurdles that we faced maybe, I don't know, seven, ten years ago at shore. They are now moving at sea. And of course, we learn from ashore to sea on what's the technologies that needs to be done. The good news is that when you are connected and you are using software and you are beginning to optimize, it's around 10, 15% savings. It's quite significant, both in terms of money and CO2, right? So every time you save one ton of fuel for a vessel, you save more than three tons of CO2 emissions. And with that, the economical part goes hand in hand. I think that's also why we're seeing a big push now. It's not just there do good for the world is actually do good business is doing green business. Today's society is driven primarily by economic growth. This is especially true in an industry like ours where one vessel can cost over $100 million. So earning profits is necessary. Operating a vessel requires fuel, which can run tens of thousand dollars a day. There's also the price to operate a vessel if you don't own it, so you need to pay someone to move your cargo from A to B. Wrapped up in all of this is the need to generate profit for shareholders. If money is the lifeblood of our industry, how can we figure out a way to make profit and plan it go hand in hand? I think it's really an industry that's they're there to make the global economy work, which is then, of course, doing good for the world as well, because without global economy, it wouldn't be good. But now the investors, the regulations, their customers, us as consumers, we're beginning to demand that we want to see a change. We are seeing all of the impacts on the weather around us. And we really now see, hey, there's a demand coming for you need to transition if you want. Like it's going to be a license to play. And that's why the industry is transitioning. And that again means, especially on the immediate reductions using technologies like ours in Seoul North, it's having an impact now. But it will also have an impact in the future. Because if you can save, let's say, uh, 10, 15% of your fuels by working in a different way, well, you will also say that when you transition to greener fuels, which will be like three to eight times more expensive. So the whole optimization is just getting, like from a dollar perspective, going to be more and more worth over the years as we transition to more expensive fuels. So again, it is just common sense and good business to go in and, and use technologies that's available today for generating those savings. One of the things that you've talked about is the progression that we need. How are we actually progressing? Because there's so many data points that are out there. And as we look at the siloedness of the industry, how is Zero North or the industry going to change in order to bring everyone together for us to actually reach our goals? So two questions, both how, how are we going to reach our goals, but also where are we as an industry right now? There's a lot of headlines, there's a lot of news, there's a lot of people doing a lot of things. The dire straits is still that if we don't do more, the emissions from shipping will still grow because the global economy is still growing and shipping is still growing. So we need to do more. And there's a big difference from where you are in the world on, on how much focus this gets and how much attention it gets, right? So that's why regulations, global regulations is going to be critical. We're not doing enough. I think that's the short answer. Then the second one is, what can we do as a company? And as you talk about siloed, it's back to these many different stakeholders. We can use technology to make transparency on what's actually going on in the oceans. 
it sounds so simple, right? But it is actually extremely difficult of mapping and simulating what is going to be an emission on a vessel when it goes from A to B. We have seen that happening on the roads as well, right? So if, if you drive, let's take a Tesla, and you say, hey, I want to go for A to B, the technology is just evolving in, in the car, telling you exactly of like how much energy are you going to spend going from A to B, what's the impact of the weather, what's the impact of your driving, what's the impact of the climate, the air condition on, on the car versus what it has predicted. And of course, the more data they get, the, the better the predictions are going to be for each individual driver of the car. And our platform is the same, right? The more vessels, where we have more than 3,000 vessels on the platform now, the more vessels that join the platform, the more data gets into the platform, the better the predictions are going to be on the platform and thereby everybody else on the platform will benefit from each other, right? So this data flywheel effect is, is quite important for making the transition. We just don't see or believe that one company on its own can, can make that transition because not one company on its own has enough data to make that modeling work. So it's not about building the modeling itself, that's difficult uh, on its own, but it's getting the data foundation into the platform that can really make that data flywheel spin across the value chain. That's also why we have gone fairly wide and not just say, hey, voice optimization. No, we go all the way now to saying, using that to use the terminology, what is the right vessel for the right cargo? Like meaning which, if you take a taxi, it's also like one taxi is better off driving a shorter distance than a longer distance. The ships are the same, right? If, if you have a vessel with higher consumption, it's better to use it at a shorter distance and at a, a route and a, a cargo that will stay more in port versus one that goes longer overseas, right? So that's the same. Like how do you use technology and the same simulations to understand which vessels should I pick for, for which cargo? And then, of course, like when I pick the vessel, then how do I get most optimal for A to B? But it's, it's going further than that now because it also goes into really understanding the consumption elements on the vessels. So what is the main engine consuming? What is actually the auxiliary engine? What's the boiler consumption of the vessels? Are they over-consuming there in live uh, data stream to understand, am I having uh, one boiler too many, right? Okay, but it's that's half a ton of fuel a day. Half a ton of fuel a day, that's like uh, 1.5 tons of CO2 emissions per day. Okay, that's 500 tons of CO2 emissions a year. Technology has allowed the vast network of people in our industry to become more collaborative, which has led to faster progress. I'm happy to say also that it doesn't look like this trend is slowing down because today the need for an accelerated response is urgent. In the last few years, we've seen an increasing unrest globally, as well as an increase in extreme weather events, which pose a great threat to vessels on the water, their crews, and the free-flowing of global trade. Extreme weather and geopolitical instability drive the need to keep crews safe at sea, as well as optimize vessel routes to reduce their impact on the climate. Sitting here in a nice cozy office, it's easy to forget we don't, but it's easy to forget there's actually a lot of people out on the vessels and their safety is first, right? So no matter what, it's about keeping the vessels out of that bad weather and keeping the vessels safe. And here I think technology is helping immensely as well. We saw just last week we had seven global tropical hurricanes and meaning that on our platform, I mentioned we had more than 3,000 vessels now, right? We had around 7-8% of the vessels actually being within 350 nautical miles of a hurricane. 
And their technology can give us that snapshot in a second on a lively basis every day. Where's the vessels? What's going on? We can contact the vessels. We can give them an update and saying, hey, this is where the weather is going. This is where you are going. You should change your course. You should slow down. You should go further south. Using the technology to be that satellite partner for them, embedding it with the technology at shore to guide them, what should they do? Because, of course, the vessel can only see so far out where they are, right? And when it's bad weather, they can't actually see very far. So we have to help them. We have to guide them. That's a big, important milestone for us on using technology and not just using meteorologists. We also have to have specialists here, right? Because this is a specialist area. So yes, the company, we do have meteorologists. We do have super senior master mariners, ex-captains that's been at sea that understand what this is. So when they talk to the vessels, it's peer-to-peer with a high level of trust and collaboration of how to avoid bad weather. And that is that has increased. That has increased. And we are seeing that on a daily basis, that the weather at seas are definitely also changing. I feel like there's also this broader change in the world that we're living in with the adoption of generative AI and a lot of talk around humans plus computers equals superhumans or boosted efficiencies. And maybe there's some correlation to that trend and also with what you're talking about in weather, utilizing human expertise, meteorologists plus computers to help you and help customers do a better thing. What are your concerns about the adoption of these sustainable technologies in the long term? Mm. So now we're getting transparency to what's actually going on in the seas. It's not always fun. Like So one of the concerns I'm do having is that instead of talking about how we change, we talk about if the data is correct or not. So and, and could the data be a little bit better? So I think that's definitely a concern that I'm having is that change... I've seen so many times being in a boardroom or being in my own life as well, like, hey, I'm, I'm no better than anyone else here. It's like, if you are in post of change, the first thing you do is you challenge the facts. And then say, can I do analysis more? Or can I get a, a better data set? Or I would like to see it from here. Or what about this? And, and because then I don't have to change if I just keep on questioning the facts. And I think we see that in global politics as well, right? And, and we saw that for on the climate for many years as well, that we were not talking about what we should do with the climate. We were talking about if there was a climate crisis. Luckily, we over and passed that one now, but we spent a lot of years on, on that one. And, and that's the same here. Now we, we are like, we have the technologies and we are getting a mirror to what's happening on the seas. And that's probably that change management journey now of, of not questioning if the data is correct, but questioning what do we do about it and, and embedding on that journey of change. It makes me concerned because I've seen it, we've seen it over and over in history that humans are not that great at change. We are change resistant. So maybe it's more about instead of being concerned is more about embedding it and embracing that concern and then help people and learn from it, right? So not only just uh, impose and come and say, but we are right, you are wrong, but really question and and talk with customers and talk with users and with vessels and then show the results out of it. So there's nothing better than results to build trust in my mind. Access to large amounts of quality data can propel better solutions. The better the solutions are, the more they become trusted. Data can help customers with improved decision-making and drive economic and environmental efficiencies. 
Today, we're starting to see the industry is tackling emissions together through working groups and collaboration across competitors. So this trust is starting to form through these interactions, which are critical in this industry, which is so complex. Soren believes that increasing levels of trust and transparency will continue to pay off in the future. So the industry works very much like a, a leasing, right? So you have one that owns the asset, the vessel, and then they lease it out to somebody else that operates the vessels, and then they pay the, the fuels, right? In shipping, that's called time charter. So when you have a contract like that, the owner of the vessel will give some guarantees of the consumption of the vessel. So how much fuel is it going to spend from uh, in one day in certain weather conditions? And then if the vessel don't perform like that, then basically the charter, the one that leased the vessel, will go back and say, hey, the vessel did not perform. Uh, here is a legal claim. Please pay me the money because the vessel didn't perform as good as you decided that it is. And in that equation, uh, no offense, but basically the, the only one really making money here is, is the lawyers, right? Because the cheats are not getting any bigger. So when I talk about transparency, it's having that owner and having that charter, looking at the same data and sitting around the same table and then saying, what can we do to make this vessel more energy efficient? How do we get best from A to B? How do we ensure that we don't overconsume on the external engine, on the boiler, on the main engine, so that we sit together and use that data set? But today, they are more fighting each other around who has the better data and understanding it than they actually look at how do we collaborate. So I think that's like one of the changes that we're having. But that goes all the way over to those that wants that cargo to be transported, being it an oil company, an industrial company, being it a consumer. We want transparency into how much fuel has been consumed when you move my goods from A to B. And yeah, here I also believe that we often are talking only around the fuel consumed by the vessel. And that's where the industry is right now. But we need to get past that and we need to get very fast past that because we need to look much more around the total well-to-wake, like the total emissions from spending that fuel, especially when you transition to greener fuels, right? Then there will be a difference of how were they produced and what was the, the footprint of producing them, one versus another, right? And the complexity will grow immensely. But we already have that today. So if an oil is produced one place in the world, sell to another, being converted into a gasoline back, is sold into a country, and then you're consuming it, there'll be a much bigger footprint in that part of it if it's been produced and produced locally, right? So this well-to-wake, I think, is the next step of the transparency so that we can understand the full value chain. But we are so immature right now that we're just trying to understand what's going on in the oceans. I would have loved to see us being like two or three years ahead on this game so that we had that transparency already. I think we will get there, though. What do you see the future of the industry like? You've talked about moving towards well-to-wake. What else should we be looking out for and what else do we need to innovate with? Yeah, like so... Your question is, like, what should we do for the future? What's the next steps here? And I wish I had the crystal ball. The way that Sean Arthur progressed in the last three years is when you get to a certain point, then suddenly more door opens. And when normal opens, you, like more opportunity opens. And I think that cascading effect will grow immensely. So I actually, right now, I actually don't dare to dream around what could this be, because I think this can be much more than we realize, not just for Sion North, but for the industry. I actually think that we will see a radical change in the way that we conduct business across, but I don't think we can actually describe it yet because I don't. we, we need to lay those early foundation works that we're having. 
I will assembly a little bit like uh, this summer. I took a roller coaster with my kids, right? And it's one of those where you start and you get like uh, it goes super fast, and around uh, you are being told, "Hey, you can't actually uh, look and turn your head because it goes so fast that you can hurt your neck if you do that, right?" And then in the middle of the roller coaster, it actually speeds up. Like you don't really think that this could go any faster, and then it speeds up. I feel a little bit the same. Like for the last three and a half years, the roller coaster of Seal North have gone fairly fast. If you ask people around us. And I, I think we're in a pivotal moment now where we in the next year will see that this will go much faster because we now laid the foundation. So I think we're in a position not just to see north, but as an industry that this will accelerate and it will accelerate extremely fast around us. If the industry is accelerating as Soren predicts, well, we are poised and ready to support our customers and the industry navigating the green transition on their way to zero emissions. My three takeaways from my conversation with Soren are, we're currently in a period of rapid technological change, which is set to accelerate. Optimization is an attractive prospect in addition to the goal of reaching zero emissions. Being able to argue the monetary value of vessel optimization is important to getting more industry partners to adopt technological solutions. Lastly, transparency is critical to progress. If data and insights are widely shared, then we have a chance to move even faster. Thank you so much to Soren Meyer for joining me today. And thank you for listening to Navigating Zero, Global Trade's powerful wave of change. If this conversation has inspired you, please follow us on your podcast app of choice for more fascinating discussions on how we reach zero emissions. You can also subscribe to our newsletter. You can find a link in the show notes below. Bye for now. Bye for now.